Matthew chapter 11, and then we're going to pray a little more at the end of service. So Eli, if you'll grab, uh, put some prayer songs at the very end there, that'd be great. Hallelujah. Um, I'm just going to pick up a little bit from Sunday morning, but it'll be, uh, we're leaving um, and ask you to keep us in prayer. We're going to pray over the team Sunday morning. Excuse me, but it didn't work out that well to do that with uh, not everybody being in one service together and uh, all the different things going on. But uh, our team for Haiti leaves uh, actually Friday night. Well, we leave Saturday. We think we fly out at 1245 a.m. And uh, and then we get into Haiti around three o'clock on the Saturday on the same day. So it's a lot of flight, though, because we keep adding three hours. It's more than just so you keep adding hours there. And uh, but we'll be we'll be in Haiti on Saturday afternoon and uh, then on uh, we get checked in. Then on Sunday we have uh, have services. We do church services on Sunday and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. We're doing work programs in uh, in uh, I think a couple orphanages and uh, in a school there. So it'll be a fun time. But uh, we would appreciate your prayer. coming. How many pray for us next week? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hey, Ben. But uh, so just continuing on, it'll be uh, I'll miss uh, next Tuesday with you and, and this Sunday. Sean's going to be ministering this Sunday. Always does a great job. And then uh, next Tuesday, Pastor Cole is going to be preaching again. Woohoo! Love Pastor Cole. Amen. So it'll be a great time. And uh, but tonight I just this whole area of grace and this taking a little bit further and Sunday morning, we finished just a little bit with getting in the area of the yoke and the burden. As I just continue to meditate on this, the Lord just keeps opening some things up in it, and uh, that's part that I love about God in dealing with that. So uh, in this, Matthew chapter 11, and uh, just look back at verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Now, when I read that scripture, it's so sometimes you have to get out of your mind to understand the Word of God. The more we study, the more we experience life, the more we think we know. But when you come to God, you have to come to Him as a child. No matter how old you are, you have to have a childlike mindset when it comes to God. You, in other words, you have to come to be teachable. Because everything he brings to you comes to renew your mind. And anytime you think, well, I think you're probably wrong. And you make that application. And so you go to the word. That's why Paul says, don't be conformed to this world. So your, your, your life experience, your world experience is, is your mind being conformed and shaped by the world. Our educational process is the world giving its ideology to us, its concepts to it, and our mind comes there. And then we come to God. God has his own ideology, his own viewpoint, his own perspective on everything, and his is the only one that matters. God doesn't take into, into credit anybody else's viewpoint. The prophet said, who, who, who ascended unto heaven and gave God counsel? Nobody. You know, who, who gave God advice? Nobody. And, and so God, wisdom comes from God. Amen? And, and so when it says here that he says, Father, you've hidden them from the prudent, from the wise and the prudent, but you revealed them to babes. And so when we just come with a childlike openness and a desire to understand, it's amazing what God begins to show us. <laughs> Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and he whom the Son wills to reveal him. So Jesus reveals the Father to us. Amen? Now look at what he says. It's just a very interesting. These three verses are very interesting. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your soul. 
Look at verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now listen to it out of the, this is the contemporary English Bible. It says, come to me all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads. And I will give you rest. Put on my yoke and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble, and you will find rest for yourselves. My yoke is easy to bear, and my burden is light. So I want you to hold that. I want to walk through this scripture, and we're going to end up here and break this down just a little bit more. So I've been talking about grace. I'm just going to go through this just quickly, just as a review this this evening. But watch it. Grace is that area that is deeper than what we understand. It, it is something that's been entrusted to us, commended to us, placed into our care, our charge. And uh, God delivers that to us. It's more than just favor. We hear about grace just as favor, but there's more to grace than just favor. And grace is literally, as I've been saying here, is how God comes into the earth, that by grace, God works by grace in the earth. He moves in our lives and through our lives to accomplish his plan. And uh, you know what? I'm on the wrong. Let me turn to my last one. No wonder. So grace has been given to us entrusted to us, delivered into our charge with the confidence that we will fulfill the purpose and connect and the purpose connected to it. So God's entrance into time comes through his grace in our life. Do you understand that? That grace, I, I want you to see that grace it isn't just this thing that we are in. It is something that is entrusted to us. Grace is a power, the power of God that's entrusted to us. And it's, it's by grace how God works through our life. So wonderful when we get a hold of it. Great grace was upon the church in the book of Acts, and that same grace we said can be upon us. With God's grace and power of the Holy Spirit equipping and enabling us, there's nothing we cannot do and endure for the glory of God. When you're going through stuff, grace is available. There's things you have to endure, things you have to put up with, th things you have to be able to stand in and deal with. What, what are you going to do? How are you going to do that? Oh, well, you're either going to be overcome and have to go to the doctor and get drugs, anxiety drugs and, and stress drugs and everything. You're either going to be overcome with anxiety and worry and stress and pressure, or you're going to learn how to walk in grace. Draw on the power of God's grace. Amen? So it's available. So grace is the favor of God upon our lives in various circumstances under various conditions, but it is also more. 2 Corinthians 12, and we kind of finished off here Sunday morning, 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's just so important. Power comes at our weakest moment. There's power available. At any moment you're feeling weak, power is available through grace. God's grace is available in our time of weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses that the power or the dunamis of Christ may rest upon me. So the power, grace is the power of Christ at the point of my need is what grace is called. Amen. So, and then multiple times, as we said uh, in, in Paul's letters, he used the pronouncement or salutation, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What an amazing statement. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we, we just think in nebulous terms sometimes. We, we just think in too, too much little floaty Christian terms. So if I ask, okay, what really is grace? So people just have this kind of little bubble idea that is this nice thing that God does on our behalf. Grace is more than just a nice thing. Amen? It's literally God's power upon our life, an endowment that is upon our life. Paul says, I, the, the, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, the Lord. So then Paul, when he would greet the churches, he said, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May that grace that empowers you in every weakness, at every trial, at every circumstance, for every situation, may that grace always be with you. That's how he greeted the churches. 
In Timothy 1 and verse 14, And our Lord poured out His abundant grace on me and gave me the faith and the love which are ours in union with Christ. So grace is something that's poured out. The other thing that's poured out on our lives is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit and grace are, are synonymously, work synonymously hand in hand together. They're God's power working our life. It's also declared as something we are to continue in as an encouragement and admonishment to the churches. And, and so many people, they say, well, I, <coughs> I have one friend, he just said, well, I'm a grace preacher. I said, well, what's that mean? Peace and favor, peace and favor, peace and favor, peace and favor. Well, how's it peace and favor when a loved one in your family commits suicide? In fact, I, I just had a, a lady in our church who's a chaplain in Sacramento. She, she sent me a text on, on Sunday afternoon of a law officer, that a retired law officer, just committed suicide in that. And after serving his whole life and, and just, they, they don't know. She goes, why, 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 why? And, and through that, but so, you know what? You can tell people about peace and favor, but sometimes you need power. You, you don't need just peace and favor. Sometimes you need some power to show up. Amen? And so there has to be more to grace than, than just the fluffy side of just peace and favor and goodness and blessing. Are we doing all right? There, there's got to be some tangible power here available. And then there is a reference. So it says we're to continue it. The church at, in, in, in the book of Acts, chapter 13, they, they, they encourage them, continue in the grace was the admonition to the churches. And then Hebrews 10, verse 29, says there are those who do despite to the spirit of grace. So too many times, I mean, I hear a lot of guys preach. I don't ever hear anybody preach on grace that preaches Hebrews 10, 29. To not do despite to the spirit of grace. I've never heard a grace preacher preach on Hebrews 10, 29 when they're preaching on grace. Because it talks about doing despite to the spirit of grace. And what does that mean? That, that means where we don't take holiness with the right perspective. We're, we, we use grace for license and liberty instead of empowerment to walk in holiness. Grace is power to live the life that pleases God. Not to live the life. Not, it's not license to live the life that pleases us. It's power to live the life that pleases God. That's why they were encouraged, that we may do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So if I'm just calling myself saved, and I'm still doing all the things that I enjoyed doing before I got saved, but now that I'm saved, I'm under grace, then I'm just pleasing my own flesh. I'm not crucifying my flesh. I'm not putting off the old man. I'm not renewing my mind. I'm not putting on the new man. I'm walking in the old man and calling it grace. Amen. I'll say amen for you tonight. I'll help you. I'm just here to help. Amen. John Maxwell says, my name is John, and I'm your friend. Amen. So if we carry that context out, it is the Holy Spirit and it is His power that works by grace in our lives coming upon us. So the power of Christ is the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said that, that I will glory in my, that the power of Christ may work upon me. And then it is the spirit of grace and it is the power of the Holy Spirit tandem working together. So the power of grace that comes upon us, power to say yes to God. Now, write, write this down if you have a pen with you in, in your outline there. Just write it someplace. Just write, just write these words down. What does the word say? What does the word say? If you notice, I've been wearing this little bracelet. I've tried to find somebody. If, if anybody knows how to do a better search, I've been trying to find these, these wrist lanyards here. And this one is cloth, and this is embroidered. This one's been on. I've had this one on for about five years. And uh, it, it, it's, the, it's the initials for what does the word say. And I just want to be reminded, what does W-D-T-W-S, what does the word say? And so when it comes to all of our concepts and everything we think about everything, that's a nice idea. That's a good thought. But what does the Word say? Because the only thing that's going to work is not 
your understanding, not your ideology, not your perception, not the, yeah, you, you know, I, 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 I have people say, I know the Bible says that, but you know, I think, well, that it doesn't matter. What does the word say? And that's what's going to get you through. And that's the only thing you have to stand. The only thing God is doing in the earth is His Word. The only thing He will do in your life, in my life, is His Word. He doesn't do our ideas. He doesn't fulfill our wishes. He, he doesn't answer your little prophecy in your fortune cookie. I know people, I, I literally know people who think that those are prophecies. All right, I'm just saying. And they get, oh, yeah. Oh. I know, I, in fact, I know people who have said, I need to quit. They collect them, amen, and hold on to them, read them to them, like it's a promise in the Word or something. Well, yeah, some of them are encouraging. You're going to be successful. You're going to do great. You're going to meet a great person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd do that whether I read that cookie or not. Amen? <laughs> Besides that, you, you can't even, if you go to China and ask for a fortune, they look at you like you're crazy. Amen. That's American. That's American. Anyway, moving around. But see, that's kind of the way we think. That's the way we approach the Bible, though. We just kind of have fortune cookie mentality when it comes to the word. We get something sounds good. Well, that sounds good. That's really a, a good idea. That's a good thought. That's a good. Oh, that's so nice. And so, and, and, and even in hearing, go, go ahead, listen to lots of preachers. I could care less who you listen to, but make sure they're preaching the word. Okay, make sure it's the whole word. Praise the Lord. So what does the word say? What does the word say about following Jesus? What does the word say when it talks about to die to self and to live to God? What does it mean in the word when it says to put to death your members? What does it mean in the word to crucify the flesh? What does it mean to count the cost, and to follow him as a disciple. How many know to do any of that, you're going to need some power? There, there's, going to, there's going to be a need for some power for any of that to happen. Okay? And that's what the grace of God is for. Where do we find the strength to put off the old man with his deeds and to put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge? And where do we get the ability and the power to be able to answer this call of God upon our lives for time's sake i'm not going to read it but sunday morning i read some out of pastor glimber toe's book christianity light amen and that's just where they made light beer that is less filling and tastes great okay and the only way to make light beer that's less filling and tastes great is to alter the original and the only way to have a christianity that is less demanding and more pleasing is to alter the original Doing all right? It's a great book. Amen. And, uh, but, but just that same challenge. So our definition of grace, get this. Our definition of grace will make all the difference. How you and I define grace. When you sit down and define grace, how you do that is going to make all the difference in your walk. Because we're either going to have a cheap definition of grace or we're going to understand the biblical costly definition of grace. Only one is in the Bible. Okay, there's only one definition for grace in the Bible, not four or five. You don't get to pick and choose, not multiple choice. Doing all right? Back. One promises Christianity light. The other one promises heaven. <laughs> so think about that. I, I, I could have the one that promises all the goodies and just think about that here. But then I'm just living for a blessed life here. But everything about the promise of God is to hope. Paul wasn't looking for a better life here. He's looking for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, there's a crown of righteousness laid up in store for me in that. And, and he says, keep your eye on the prize. We're looking for the coming of the Lord. We're going to be caught up to be with him forever to be with the Lord in the earth. So our, our promise is heavenly, not earthly. And what's happening today is grace is being turned into something that, that makes the kingdom of God earthly and takes it out of the heavenly realm. Doing all right? Okay. So it's only through the power of God's grace upon our lives that we can live the life that inherits the reward of heaven. So tonight I put in your, I, I read it Sunday morning, but tonight I, I put it in your outline from, uh, th this was um, 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a, a minister, a Lutheran pastor, in, at the beginning of the reign of Hitler, and when they started taking over the churches and telling the pastors what they could preach and what they couldn't preach, and Bonhoeffer said, I'm not going to comply. I would have to violate my faith to comply with what you're asking. And uh, it, it, it's a little more subtle in America today, but we're seeing it. And we're, we're seeing it in, 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 in different ways. We're seeing it through a social agenda, not a military agenda. Are you with me? And so there, there's a social agenda that's telling the church to comply. The reason we have an Anglican church starting here with us, and the reason I'm partnering with them, because these are people who have come out of the Episcopal church because their denomination has chosen to license and ordain homosexuals and lesbians. And so they say that, that I can't be a part of that. Violate, I have to violate my faith. You, you are altering the original. Okay, that, that's Christianity light. All right? So you, you're altering it. You're changing the original. And so they're taking a stand, and they go, no, we, we, we want to hold on to our, our faith. We're not going to compromise our faith, and we'll stand. So they have to leave everything they've been a part of and have to start all over again. I love people like that. Amen? That's awesome. So I love partnering with them and being a part of that. Praise the Lord. So Bonhoeffer said, and Bonhoeffer's stand ended up having him hung. He literally was hung on the gallows and, uh, and, and martyred for not compromising his faith. He said this, cheap grace is this. It's preaching of forgiveness without repentance. Okay? It's baptism without church discipline. Amen. It, uh, you know, there's some passages in the Bible that you could read. Just read the scriptures and say you're going to do them and probably cut any congregation in half. Most of them are in church discipline, <laughs> holding people into accountability for their conduct and their actions. Amen? Because people, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm not under law, I'm under grace. Yeah, but this is New Testament. <laughs> this is New Testament stuff. This is the New Testament stuff. Amen. All right, just moving right along. Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, and grace without Jesus. See, we read, Jesus says, watch, come unto me. So I have to come to him, and I have to be in him. Costly grace, he said, confronts us as a gracious call to follow Christ. Everybody say, follow Christ. Okay. Not, see, following Christ isn't leading my life and showing up every now and then and saying hi to Jesus. Okay, you'll get that later. Most people think following Jesus is just saying, I believe in Jesus and living their life any way they want to live, doing anything they want to do, and then every now and then showing up in a church service and saying, Jesus, I love you. All right, moving right along. Amen. My name is John. I'm your friend. Amen. So what is that? So it comes as a word of forgiveness to the broken spirit and the contrite heart. It's costly because it compels a man to submit. Listen to what he said. It compels a man to submit. And when I read this in studying on grace, listen, he says this is what grace is. Costly grace compels a man to submit to the yoke of Christ and following Him. It is grace because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How can a yoke be easy and a burden be light? Because by grace, when He gives it to you, He empowers you, He strengthens you to, to bear up underneath it. You're equipped with the power to carry it. Amen? Outside of grace, any yoke, any burden that you have, you have to carry in your own strength. Go back to our scripture that we read. Now watch this. Listen to it again in the contemporary English. Come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads. 
We live in a society that's under the stress of burdens. People are under burden. They're underweight. You, you get to people, you talk to people, I'm just so stressed out. How many of you ever, you know, when people tell you to take a chill pill? Amen. But you get around people, and everybody's just uptight. Everybody's stressed out. Everybody has so much pressure. Well, I, I just know how I'm going to make it. I, I just know how I'm going to do it. I, I, I'm so much pressure. I'm going in so many different directions. I, I don't know how I could do anything. Oh, oh, oh. Dude, where's the grace? Whose burden are you carrying? Whose yoke are you under? Doing all right? Okay. So. It is grace because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So come to me, all you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Look it. Put my yoke, put on my yoke and learn from me. I am gentle and humble and you will find rest for yourself. My yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. Get it. Costly grace changes, transforms, and redirects you. It also empowers us to walk the narrow road and to enter the straight gate. It's not easy. Walking and serving God isn't easy. But we're empowered to do it. Are you with me? He empowers us to do it. So grace, again, is how God comes into time to work through our lives to save others. Now, here's where we have to kind of keep it all in context. Is that, God, yes, God will work for us, but God always, God has a plan. The, the Bible is the re, re, revelation or God revealing his plan of redemption for humanity. That's really what it is. It's, it's God's plan of redemption. And that's what he's doing. God is doing his plan of redemption. So if I'm coming unto Jesus, Jesus is working the plan. And the reason he says, he says, I'm going and, and you're going to be my body in the earth. So his body is to be doing his plan. And so the greatest way for me to walk in grace is to get involved in the plan of redemption. Because that's what God is doing in the earth. Are you following me? That's what he's doing. And so with that, how many are, I, I always use this analogy because it's interesting. Well, let me just stay back here for a second. God is working out his plan. When I come to Christ... Jesus said when he asked his disciples to say, who do men say that I am? He said, Peter said, finally spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, look at in that day. Listen to what they said. Many of them say some say, oh, you're, you're, you're Elijah. Some say you're there. Some say you're that. Some say you're a prophet. Some say some, some say you're, you know, Elijah resurrect. Some say you're there. So everybody back then, there were all kinds of opinions of who Jesus was. How many know there's all kinds of opinions today? But then Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And you will be called Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. Okay? Now, wait a minute. So, when we read... And the Catholic Church twisted that and said, you are Peter, and you're the rock, and Jesus is building his church upon Peter. No, he's not. He's building his church on the revelation of who he is. The church is built on the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the foundation of the church. He's the chief cornerstone. And on that foundation, he is building on that rock he is building his church. So the only thing he's doing in the earth is building his church. And when the church is built, when it is complete, he's coming back for it as a bride that is without spot or wrinkle. 
He's coming back for a church that has been washed by the water of the word, that has purified itself, that has kept itself, that is ready and prepared, that's kept itself as a chaste virgin. Are we doing all right? And that's what he's coming. But the only thing he's building is his church. He's not building my life. Doing all right? And so it's not, and, and, and there's so much that's just around that God is so excited about blessing your life. Yes, God will bless you. He says, hey, don't worry about all the stuff the world worries about. All the Gentiles are concerned about all the stuff, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to live. Blah, blah, blah. The world, that's what the world concerned about. You seek first the kingdom and his right, and all these things are added unto you. How many know when God adds things to your life, he's a good God? So God has no problem adding good things to your life. But if the pursuit of things puts God on the back burner, and I don't have time for God, then now I'm going to find myself under a different burden and under a different yoke, and I'm going to have the stress, and I'm going to have the anxiety, and I wonder why even though I'm praying in tongues, and, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, and I'm worshiping God, and I'm doing all this stuff, somewhere I can't get out underneath this pressure because I'm no longer living in grace. I'm living in presumption. We're doing all right? And so God is working out his plan. And the moment that I get yoked to him, his grace comes upon me. And his grace is what he has for his plan is the purpose where we fit, every one of us fits in his plan of redemption. Everybody. That's why the Bible says that we are the body of Christ. Paul illustrates, we're the body. We're jointly framed. We're fit together. The body edifies. It grows and, and edifies itself in love by what every joint supplies. So where would I get the ability to supply something in the grace that's been given to me? You've been given grace. I've been given a grace that gives me my, my, my purpose in his plan. We're doing all right? And so when I'm fulfilling that purpose, then the favor that is in grace is also working in my life. When I said during the offering, God has been a faithful God for 38 years. He has been faithful because I've been trying to live by grace and walk out his path for my life. To be yoked to him, to be following Christ with my life. And he continually blesses he continually surprises he continually shows goodness he continually causes me to be at rest i could sit down right now and go nine night in about 30 seconds i have a, I'm, I'm thinking about a building i'm thinking about this i'm thinking about going to haiti i gotta do this i gotta do that and, and but but wait a minute i'm either going to do it by grace or i'm going to do it by stress amen so it's either going to work in grace or it's going to produce stress and worry and anxiety. Are we doing all right? So with that, how do we hold on to it? And so every one of us has this part, and that's what I said. There, your body, we're, we're likened to the body of Christ. And the moment you get saved, we're ba every person gets saved, they're baptized into the body. They're set in, in the body. And it says we are members in particular. How many know every one of your members is a particular member? Every, every, down to your cell, down to your DNA, down to the microscopic parts of your body. Every, every molecule, every cell has a purpose. There's not like little cells floating around. I'm just nebulous cells. I have no purpose. I just float through this body. Everything, everything in your body, every member, every part has function. None of it is just called to just. An arm that does nothing is. What? What? Disabled. Handicapped. Any person that has, a, has members. Parts that don't work, we call them handicapped, okay, and disabled. And we make special concessions for them, and they need assistance. Doing all right? But the body of Christ is not supposed to be handicapped. 
it's not supposed to have disabled members. And so grace means, when Jesus says, he says it to every, come to me. And Bonhoeffer said, grace is being yoked to Christ. So to put a yoke on somebody and to put a burden on somebody is to set purpose upon their life. Jesus says, come to me and I will assign you purpose. I will put my yoke upon you as your Lord. Now, how many remember that Jesus said in, in Matthew 7, he says, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do many, all these things in your name? And he'll say, I never knew you. One, one translation literally said, the things you did were not authorized. Literally, it means this. That wasn't my yoke for your life. I didn't put that. What, he, what he's literally saying is, I didn't give you that yoke. You made up that yoke for yourself. That's not the yoke and the burden I gave to you. This is the yoke and the burden I had. That, 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 you made that up and brought that to me. Are you with me? Because he says, depart from me, you who work lawlessness. Lawless means not under authority. So he says, come unto me, and I as Lord, and I will give you your yoke and your burden. And that's the one thing that's missing in Christianity today is the lordship of Jesus Christ. And when we come back under the lordship of Jesus Christ, that is the safest place to be. That's where health is. That's where provision is. That's where everything is. That's where peace is. Listen, listen to the promise. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Wow. Listen to it again, verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he says, if you're laboring and you're heavy laden, he says, I will give you rest. So, but look at that. It's, it's not resting with nothing to do. It's resting with his yoke and burden upon our lives. Is this helping anybody tonight? I, I, I love it because the, the more you study scriptures and, and the more you get serious about studying the word of God, the more all these little things begin to tie together, the more everything begins to, you see it's all woven together. Amen? Things are connecting. All right, so watch it. <coughs> Give me a couple more minutes and then we're going to pray together. So we hear a lot about peace and release, victory and deliverance, joy and increase, promise and promotion, yet very little about the yoke and the burden of which Christ spoke. Now, I wrote this down in my notes. This is my personal conviction, guys. Just as your pastor, I'm telling you, this is what I believe. I believe this will be our area of accountability before Christ. The Bible says, Paul said, we must all appear Look up here. I mean, if, if, if you're a believer in Christ, raise your hand. This is what Paul said to you. You will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the works done in this body, whether they were of precious jewels or whether they were wood, hand, stubble. You want to know how to have the precious jewels? They're in his yoke and in his burden. Anything that's not his yoke or his burden that he places upon you is going to get burned up. But there's that accountability. So I'm looking at, wait a minute, how can you hold me accountable? Because when I come to him, he will give me what to do. And it's a discovery. This is an adventure. So you start walking with God and say, God, I'm just going to serve you. And the way he says you, you find out what your yoke and burden is, is he says, go serve somebody. Go start loving your people and go start giving yourself away for people. That's why I said Sunday morning graduation, all there is to ministry is giving your life away for people. That's it. Ministry is nothing more than serving people. Working with people and loving people, that's it. And if he puts a burden on you, it's going to be to minister to somebody. It's going to be to work with people. It's going to be to help somebody. So you just start serving. If you're going to be great in the kingdom of God, Jesus said, he that will be greatest in the kingdom, let him become a servant. Are we doing all right? So, well, I just don't know what God's will is. Start finding somebody to serve. Look for every opportunity you can to help somebody. 
to serve somebody, to be a blessing to somebody. And it's amazing as you start serving, then clarity begins to come because now you're on the path of yes, as we've been saying. Now, if I take this back just a little bit, we started out, we ended last year preaching on a life of significance, success or significance, okay? And then we came in the beginning this year about taking the leap of faith. To take on the yoke and the burden of Christ, it takes a leap of faith. Are you with me? All the, it, it just takes God working in all of our lives through in the exact same way. So watch this. I believe it's our individual purpose and grace that is upon our life. I believe every one of us from God, he has an individual grace for your life. An individual purpose. And when we get back from Haiti, we'll go over this. Paul said, according to the grace his ministry was according to the grace that has been given to him. We read it right here that, that he said in, uh, in Timothy. Look what he said. He said, And our Lord poured out his abundant grace on me and gave me the faith and love which are ours in union with him. And then Paul defined his ministry as the grace that had been commended to him. So his work was connected to the grace that was upon him. And so what? Watch it. Remember, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what Paul said? He said, this, my light affliction. Everything he went through, he called a light affliction. How could you bear up being scourged three times, being beaten with rods twice, and call it light affliction? By grace, by grace and only grace, because it's power in weakness. And you go, I can bear. And that's why I said Sunday morning. See, grace makes you praise God at the midnight hour when you're in the jail with Silas in the deepest dungeon and you begin to praise the Lord. The power of grace comes over you and you begin to praise God. And that power of grace causes your chains to fall off and the doors to open up and you get set free. By the power of grace. Amen. Hallelujah. So watch this. So what is a yoke? A yoke is defined as. A coupling. A coupling. To join especially by a yoke. A coupling. Servitude. It's also the beam of balance. Or a yoke is also called a pair of balances. Galatians 5 and verse 1 says, For freedom did Christ set us free. Watch this. Stand fast, therefore, and be not entangled again in a yoke of what? Bondage. Okay. 1 Timothy 6, 1. Let as many of us as our servants under the yoke Count their own masters worthy of all honor that the name of God and the doctrine be not what? Blasphemed. So Paul said that there'd be a grace even if you were in servitude, in debt, and serving and paying off your debt, that there'd be a grace for you to act in a right way there. Let as many as our servants, uh, uh, Acts 15.10. Now when, now then why are you being, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples' necks that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear. Or in other words, what happened is, is that the, 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 the Judaizers were trying to put law on the Gentiles and, and, and intermingle, Church of Galatia, intermingle law and grace together and tell them that you have to do this work to be saved and you just can't do it. But So it said you're putting a yoke on them that we weren't able to carry and neither were our ancestors able. Uh, Revelation 6 and verse 5 says, And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come, and I saw, behold, a black horse, and he that sat thereon had a balance in his hands. So it's interesting that those are all the scriptures where yoke is used in the New Testament. Matthew 11, and then these scriptures right here. But it's interesting that a balance means to, to level things out, to make the scale just. Okay? 
And the yoke that Jesus gives balances out our lives. It's a balance in our lives. Look at my statement here. See, we're no longer justified or weighed in the balance of the law. For Christ has fulfilled it for us and leveled the scales of justice that were against us. Now we are joined with Christ through the law of grace and measured by the scale of His righteousness. See, the, the balance for us is we had all this sin on one side. You know, the balancing scales. You put our sin. This was our sin over here. And then so how does God balance that out? He puts Jesus on the every, other side and our scales are balanced. Okay? Jesus is what balances the scales of justice against us. Think about that. So we're joined to Christ in the scale of his right. As much as we are now servants of Christ under grace, empowered by grace and equipped by grace to the work which he has called us to do. So how do I keep? But see, the moment, why? The, the moment I move out from under his yoke and his burden for my life, the moment I begin to redefine grace and I move away from the cost, it costs something. That's why I say, what does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to crucify? Man, this is hard. And so when I feel weak, God, I thank you for your grace that is upon me. You have graced me to do that. And so grace keeps me joined to him, keeps me with him. And it keeps me then in that place of peace where I never lose the rest of my, I, I, I don't know how to say this. In, in, in all these years I've pastored, I can't tell you how many numerous times people have come to me who have no peace. Pastor, I have no peace. I, I'm just under such, I'm under so much stress. And the more I study, I'm coming back here and, and I just, well then, what yoke are you under? What yoke are you under? Where were you? See, when I got saved, I was under the yoke of stupid. I got delivered from the yoke of just stupid and self-destruction. Amen. I got a letter from prison from a young man that we reached out to over the years. He wrote me a letter. Say, Pastor, I'm sitting here and I'm remembering all the love you showed me. And the words you spoke to me are coming to pass. Harvest. just kept sowing. I said, son, you're just sowing seeds of your own destruction. You need to quit sowing those. If you'll just quit this and start sowing the right seeds, start sowing some seeds of right, you can turn your life around. But instead of stepping into grace, he kept himself under that old yoke. And now he's sitting there and he's writing a letter, thinking back and the Holy Spirit. And he said, I found the Bible in, in, in the room and I, and I found it. It says, kind of beat up, but all the pages are still there. He says, I'm reading it. God's reminding me and your words are coming back to me. Amen. But see, grace, if I don't, and, and that's, a, that's an instance over there and going back out, but I get under grace, things are going good, and then I just find myself. So how, how do I keep from going back? That's why Peter said, read the book of Second Peter. Second Peter is all about not going back. All of Second Peter, that, that whole epistle is about staying fast, holding on, not, 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 not going back. When the key, not, not a dog returned to his vomit, not going back to the old life. Amen? But there's power in grace. I'm just trying to encourage you tonight. This grace, there, there's so much in grace that we, I, I'm, I'm going back to listen to this. Say, God, I haven't even taught on this. I haven't really dealt with this from this angle or this perspective of being able to see this. And really that yoke and burden, I, I've never preached really, really preached a message on the yoke and the burden of Christ. And then I'm reading this and then I started studying out and I go, my goodness, what an amazing thought. Amen? Wow. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. I don't have, we'll pick this up. We're not in a hurry. We have until Jesus comes. Could be. This is what I mean, guys. If, if you, sometimes people say, Pastor, you're always, it feels like you're always just pushing. You're always pulling and and over the years, we have people say, well, you know, I, I just need to go where I can just hear something and relax. Well, it, it is, uh, 
And, and I understand that. And, and I'm not trying to tell you to do more or to push you or to do whatever. I'm just saying that, Jesus, make sure that you're living by what the Word says. What does the Word say? Make sure you're living by the Word. And if you're stressed out, if you're burdened and under pressure, just understand that Paul said, he said, I prayed three times, said, Lord, could you deliver me from this? The Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient. He says, I did not deliver you from it. I gave you power to go through it. Are you with me? My grace. And so Paul comes away. OK, I get it. I will glory in weakness because the moment I feel weak at that moment, I feel weak. Power, the power of Christ comes upon me. And I begin to praise him in your weakness. Draw on the power of grace instead of stressing out. Begin to draw on the power of grace. Begin to praise him. That's when praise people go. I just love a good worship. service. You know where the best worship service is you by yourself with God will be the best worship service you'll ever be in. There'll be no band there unless the angels start playing harps for you or whatever. If they do that too loud, you might be on your way up. So just let me know anyway. <laughs> anyway, but the best worship is when you're just in that place. Look, Paul and Silas worship that under persecution, under torture, imprisonment, sitting in raw sewage and filth in the deepest, darkest cesspool of the dungeon, locked up, backs bleeding from being beaten, begin worshiping God. Through the power of grace. And God comes and shakes that place. Knocks the doors off their hinges. The chains fall off of them. I'm telling you that is what's available to you. That's what it means. My grace is sufficient for you. Father right now I pray for your people. Lord I know. That there are some here tonight. That are just under great pressures and stress concerns and responsibilities and accountabilities in their lives father lord i pray an outpouring of your grace over them right now in jesus name father help this word that i have just beat up in such an inappropriate way trying to convey this but holy spirit you could put it all together in the right way so it brings clarity to them i ask you to do that bring this truth into the hearts of your people that your grace is available to them in such an amazing way thank you that in the grace is the favor that we need in the grace is the blessing that we, we, we desire but father more than that in the grace is the power that we need and in that grace there is rest for our lives